Hi, this is Edithale Hornsteiner, and welcome to Live Living's Transformational Connection, the place where you experience how to reconnect your body, mind, and spirit to God. With 232 million people using Twitter every month and more than 1.3 billion people on Facebook last year, it's safe to say we live in an incredibly connected world. Yet with hundreds of friends and loved ones just a click away on social media or a text away on the phone, we feel more than ever disconnected. I pulled a quote from Newsweek magazine dated July 9, 2012, and the article was called, Is the Web Driving Us Mad? And it says, questions about the Internet's deleterious effects on the mind are at least as old as hyperlinks. But even among web skeptics, the idea that a new technology might influence how we think and feel, let alone contribute to a great American crack-up, was considered silly and naive, like waving a cane at electric light or blaming the television for kids these days. Instead, the Internet was seen as just another medium, a delivery system, not a diabolical machine. It made people happier and more productive. And where was the proof otherwise? Now, however, the proof is starting to pile up. The first good peer-reviewed research is emerging, and the picture is much gloomier than the trumpet blast of web utopians have allowed. The current incarnation of the Internet, portable, social, accelerated, and all-pervasive may be making us not just dumber or lonelier, but more depressed and anxious, prone to obsessive, compulsive, and attention deficit disorders, even outright psychotic. Our digitized minds can scan like those of drug addicts, and normal people are breaking down in sad and seemingly new ways. So what are we going to do about this problem? How can we fix it? One book that offers a solution is A Friend in Me by Pamela Havy Lau. Today I have Pamela on the show to discuss her new book. Welcome, Pam, to the show. Thank you, Edda. It's great to be here with you. You wrote this book for women, but it is so universal. <laughs> I love that you said that. And what was your inspiration behind writing A Friend in Me, A Safe Haven, How to Be a Safe Haven for Women? Several years ago, I, first just let me say I so appreciate you connecting um, the you know, technological issues with our, our health, our souls. Because it, it, it's almost as if we're starving for something and we're, we don't know how to feed ourselves. So I, I appreciate that you made the connection with that. But several years ago, I was teaching um, studies and I was doing a lot of research and I had written my first book and thought I would just move right easily into the next one. And I was studying Psalm 119, thought I'd write another Bible study. and the Spirit just kept prompting me, saying, I need you to pay attention to something different here. And so I would be speaking at women's events. I would be teaching my college students and uh, doing uh, workshops at schools or businesses. And I started seeing a problem. And the problem that I saw was that um, women were not connecting across the generations. 
as or or you know someone outside their peer group and i don't know i thought well you know why does this matter well i started seeing how unhappy they were and i knew that for my own life that was such an important piece to my own journey to my healing to uh, growing to being whole and so i started putting the pieces together and realized that um, the younger generation was the one who was showing the effects of not having this intergenerational connection. And so after a few years of, of, of writing about it and speaking about it, I interviewed a group. And that's when the book took its turn and finished. Because this younger generation said, we are dying for it. We want relationship with someone just a little bit ahead of us in life. Mm -hmm. um, how have social media and technology both helped and hindered the relationships you feel um, amongst women? Well, technology is not our enemy, right? I mean, technology is a good thing. We need we need to be able to to go on to Facebook and see someone we know around the world and what they're up to and what they're doing and maybe send them a message. It's a great thing. Um, but what's happened is we now rely on it as our way of building a relationship, or we can rely on it. And if that's the only thing we're relying on, we're not meeting the deeper need to see someone's eyes, to see that feeling go across their face we probably aren't as authentic as we think we're being. <laughs> when, you know, when we're online and we're just throwing our opinion on there and then we jump off, we think, oh, I was just really honest. Well, not really. Because you didn't give the other person a chance to you know, look you in the eye and talk to you about it. So that's, that's not really building the kind of relationship that I'm after in this book. I think that this, that social media can actually hurt our friendships because we'll look and we'll we'll be on Facebook and we'll say, oh, they did something together last week and they didn't invite me, and uh, that that just brings up our jealousy. It's not that we weren't jealous before, but it's just that we're that's happening more often. And what do we do with that? So we so somehow we are making emotional connections, but in the wrong way, would you say then? No, that's a great way to put it. Yeah. And I don't think we're making the emotional connection with the actual relationship. I, it's like mm. we're making it with we're making it with the fantasy in our mind. Well what if they did they leave me out on purpose? So we're making that emotional connection. And the next thing you know you're mad at the person. <laughs> or you're feeling hurt. And again, you might think, oh, this is all in my head. Even if it's all in your head, it's very real to you. Wow. So yeah, I think that's a great point. Yes, you're making an emotional connection that's not tied to the actual person. Right. And so that's why, and I hear, you know, um, you say it's nothing like face-to-face -face with someone. No, it's not. I don't, I don't understand you know, the physiology behind it, but there's something that happens when we are face-to-face -face with another human being, even having the touch. And we know research supports that, that when someone touches us, when someone can witness the depth of emotion that we have face-to-face, -face, it's, it's transformational. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
It is definitely. How would you define authenticity in a relationship then? I think it's being your real self in real time um, in, a real, in a real relationship. So in other words, you are not putting on a mask. You're not just throwing up an image of who you want to be. But you're, you're, you're being the true Pam or the true Etta, right? And you're saying, this is how I really feel about something. And you're doing it in real time. You're not just always focusing on something from your history. It's about what I'm experiencing right now. And then in the moment. In the moment, yes. Because in some ways, that's what's being robbed from us. Is what I'm experiencing in the moment, and I want to share it with somebody. And I, I write about this in the book a little bit about how um, this one, a couple of the younger women who I interviewed just did a great job of saying we want oneness with someone, and that, that they're not talking sexual oneness. They're talking, they're not talking in a marital form. They're like, I want somebody to like get me, you know. I want somebody to identify with me, or and I want to identify with them. I want to hear what they're going through. So when I talk about real time, it's like, what are you experiencing right now? Just last week I shared with a, a, a woman who works at the college where I teach, and she's probably 20 years younger than me, and she said, how are things going, Pam, you know, with, with your book and everything? And we were just chatting, and I shared with her, I said, you know, it's, it's been interesting how um, some of my relationships have really been strained through this process of things that I've because of my schedule change. And she just stopped and she said, thank you for telling me that. And I said, why? She said, because I just, I, my, when my relationships are strained, I always think it's my fault. You know, just in that moment, we shared a oneness. Do you see what I'm, does that make sense? Oh, yes. That was oh, being definitely. authentic. And for mm -hmm. some reason, it was a simple statement I made, but she, it was like it, it gave her a relief for a moment. I know, and, and as I shared just briefly, um, you know, when we started the call before we actually started recording um, the interview here, you know, I, you know, I, as I read your book, I had these aha moments because I started saying to myself, oh, you know, I, I had feelings of guilt that I didn't have time to go on mm -hmm. social media um, because everybody seems to be there. I, I met people. I've met like three women this week well, actually, last week, and they said to me, oh, you're, are you on Facebook? And I said, yes, but I'm not always there. And I said, you know, um, but we can go for coffee or something one day, you know, instead. Mm -hmm. And I, and, and, and I, re I began to realize the expense of this, that, we, like you said, we come to rely on it as a means mm -hmm. of, mm -hmm. you know, of, our, of, of holding our relationships together. It's, it's what makes us friends, you know. Right. I respond to you on Facebook, and I click your like, so, you know, right. I respond. Right. You know, and it's almost like we're being wired. <laughs> yes. Friendship. That's a great way to put it. Yeah. What would you say is the primary factor, I, you know, that hold women back from truly loving other women and entering mm. in those authentic relationships? I think there's a few things going on. On a practical side, I think we're tired and we're overscheduled. So just practically speaking, um, that's very real for every kind of woman, whether she's you know, an executive level leadership or she chose to stay home with family or she's 
un, you know, single woman, whatever our lot in life, we do a lot. You know, we can. We can be very efficient. So that's one thing. But the second area where I, that I see that's holding us back from that authentic relationship with women is we've been hurt. Um, we've, we can think back to even your junior high days, right? You know, girls have been known to be catty and they hurt each other. And so you, or as you get into high school or college, you, you think about that it's really hard to trust somebody. Who's your safe haven? That's the term I use in the book. Um, it, we kind of have in our minds well, this is who they're going to be and this is how they're going to treat me. So we don't enter into that relationship with them. But I want to say there are women out there who are healthy and who are whole, who've done the hard work of healing, and there, there are safe havens out there. And that's one of the main reasons I wrote the book is I want women to become that, and I believe that women are going to be seeking that even more and more. I think we already are. So is the book written for... Um, older women to become a safe haven for younger women or just any woman in general? It's really written for any woman who's a little bit ahead of another woman in life. So for example, you could be 22 years old working in some kind of nonprofit capacity or, or running a bank, whatever it is you're doing, and you're going to have somebody in your life who's just a little bit behind you. So it is written for anyone who's, you know, leading the way. And that is, and my hope is that the woman reading it will become the safe haven because there's, there's five patterns in there that I want them to internalize and practice. However, there are times in there when I, very, it's not as often, but that where I ask the question, you know, are you someone who can receive comfort? You know, so let's say you need that from an older woman. Are you someone who can receive it? Because you can't become it if you haven't received it. This is not a guilt trip for women. I never intended it. I never wanted someone to feel like, oh, I have to do one more thing well. Hmm. Yeah. Good point. I'm glad you mentioned that. Um, you also mentioned the five patterns you want women to internalize. Mm -hmm. um, like you said, we have a lot of things on our plate. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we do. So what, what are these five patterns you feel that if we, if we practice, it will help our relationships with other women? Well, the first one is suffering. We all suffer. That's a universal reality. It doesn't matter you know, what part of the world you live in. Um, I, don't, I don't think we can compare suffering. Um, so when the, the question is, is what are you doing with it? How are you handling it? Are you allowing God to heal those places that have been broken? Because if you do, if you walk through that and let him bring healing, then you get gold at the end of that and you can share that with somebody. So that's the first pattern. And the second one is the power of healing comfort. And again, um, we've become a little bit like, oh, I'll write you a nice note on Facebook. I'm so sorry to hear that happened to you. But then what am I going to say to that person when I see them face-to-face? In, in, in -face? Can I offer real, true, healing words of comfort? Because that's what someone's dying for. And that's, I'm after that pattern. And then the third one is acting with understanding. 
And this one's a little bit harder for us because it's kind of saying, so what happens if someone comes across your path and they need you right then and there? Are you going to say, I'm sorry, I'll meet you, you know, three weeks from Tuesday? Or will you, do you have enough flexibility to say, you know, God, are you leading me to, to talk to this person, to reach out, to help? I don't know. But if we're listening really well, we'll know. And then the fourth pattern is living with full forgiveness. And I think that's one of the hardest ones, and I write about that, how it is not a one-time decision. It is not a one-time experience. It's a lifetime process. And I, I, I want to be really careful that it's not trite. You know, forgiveness is not, you've got, it's God's gift to us. That's what sets us apart. But it is definitely um, an everyday process. And then finally, I talk about um, the com- compassion, you know, showing another woman compassion. We think we are compassionate, and yet I have learned through some really difficult times that um, showing someone compassion, even when I don't agree with what they did to get into the messed up place they're in, my call is still to show them compassion. Kindness leads people to transformation, not preaching or judging or fixing someone. So those are the patterns that I'm after and that I'm actually really praying to see more and more in our uh, world of women. So it sounds like one, what I'm hearing is there's a lot of self-developmental work. You know know what I mean? But if we're going through life so quickly, you know, Mm. um, someone once said, you know, when we're so busy, we disconnect our body from our soul. Mm. And when we go through life so quickly, not having time to really reflect, um, to contemplate, you yeah. know, just to have those moments with God. Um, That's good. We, we, we tend, you know, I mean, it's going to be difficult to make sense of the suffering. You know, what does this yeah. all mean mm-hmm. um, in my life? Um, you know, because I think it's, it, we can either internalize it, turn inward, and become self-absorbed. And uh, that's right. go into depression, you know, or something. Yeah. If you feel that, okay, woe is me, you know. Um, and then also, you know, I'm, I'm hearing that we have to learn to, to listen, to slow down, and, 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 and to, to, in order to be compassionate. Um, mm-hmm. so we can hear each other's story. That's right. To, yeah. You know, no, that, that takes time. And we, you know, I mean, because you know, I mean, you know what I'm saying? That takes time. We're so, I don't understand what we're going to find time to do all of this. <laughs> well, and, and I would also argue, though, that a little goes a long way. I mean, even if you give yourself 10, 15, 20 minutes a day to just sit and listen, it's amazing, you know, what, what kind of clarity that will give you for the rest of the day, you know. So I, I really believe a little goes a long way. I don't think we have to, you know, change the whole structure of our lives necessarily. Right. But it's making it, but, you know, you know I, I said it facetiously, but it is making us more human because, you know, yeah. I started this interview with, about technology and there was a reason mm-hmm. for that. Mm-hmm. And if we really think about it, we're being dehumanized. That, that, I totally uh, agree. I am concerned we're being dehumanized. Mm-hmm. We are, you know, and what I hear about when you mentioned the four patterns, my gosh, mm-hmm. I'm thinking, 
these are universal, you know, yes. qualities, and that we should be exemplifying. Um, and but I, I, I know why, as a woman to woman, we know why it's so important for us to touch the lives of other women, the mm-hmm. way we are just God designed us. You know, we are emotion- we're more emotional creatures in so many mm-hmm. ways, and we carry so much within us and within our womb. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, this all makes so much sense. Um, what are some practical steps women can take then to start and form these deep friendships? Mm, that's a great question. You know, we all have different personality types, so it's not like everyone's was born with the skill set of initiation, right, initiative. But I, this is what I've learned. This is what I've seen really work. When I find myself in that place where I can tell I need to develop a new relationship with someone or if I need to meet with someone who's a little ahead of me um, or even I just know that I need a friend, I ask myself, what is it, Pam, that you need? I want you to name it because we're not really, we don't really think that's a good thing, but it is a good thing. So, for example, I really wanted to find someone I could talk with about something I had experienced as a, as a teenager that was pretty tragic, but I was already in my 30s, and so I was in a different place in life. I'd already gone through some, so I just, I, I wrote down, and I said, I need someone who experienced something similar, who has a similar lifestyle that I have, who is married, who's a mom, and who does kind of the same speaking, writing things I do, because I want to understand how she navigated it. Does that make sense? Yes. So I wrote down exactly what I need, and then I started praying. And I said, Lord, I need someone to talk about this specific thing with. I waited. And about a few weeks later, I started noticing that this woman's name came up, and it just caught my attention. So I reached out to her. I sent her. I think I sent her an email, and I said, "Would you be willing to meet with me? I want to talk with you a few, several times about this." And because of that connection, we did develop a friendship over time. But our, but it took me reaching out. Now, is it always the case? Well, no, but for that particular situation, it worked. And does the friendship always flourish? Not necessarily, but when it does, it's a gift. I don't think we have quite the same um, structure set in place where we're going to run into people all the time like we used to. So we have to be intentional. We have to ask ourselves, what's our need? And, okay, so now let me turn the tables. Let's say that you're someone who you really feel like you have a lot of those things in place. You don't really have a huge need for friendship. Well, I can guarantee you that there are women in your life who do. So ask yourself, what are you willing to be for someone? What are you willing to give? What do you have to offer? And write that down and pray about it and say, God, who can you find that needs it? And you will be amazed at who, who walks into your life. Offer that to them. Be faithful in it. Show them grace. Show them compassion. Let, be that safe haven for that person. And I, whether a friendship forms from that or not, I can't guarantee it, but I can tell you it will transform that person's life, and you might not find out for 10 years or in eternity. But do you think, uh, but do you think, I, I, you know, I hear three, I, um, three words are coming to mind. Mm-hmm. Shame, fear, rejection. Absolutely. 
You know what I mean? You understand mm-hmm. what, what, okay, you want to speak to those words? Well, first of all, we, we live in a shame-based culture now more than ever because of social media. I don't, I don't know why. I don't think we live with guilt as much as we live with shame. We, just, we feel ashamed if we don't have enough likes or we feel ashamed because we don't have enough friends or whatever it, whatever it is. So we, that is more the foundation of our spirit than, than any time I believe in history. So if we can accept that, then every time you interact with someone, honor them. And how do you do that? You look them in the eye. You listen to them. You remember what they say. You remember their you, name. You remember their name, absolutely. <laughs> you say a word of encouragement, whatever it might be, and then follow up with them sometime. Ask them again later, hey, whatever happened with that situation with your mom? I mean, it's really basic. It's basic human kindness. It's maybe um, dropping something off for someone without them knowing, being spontaneous about it. Remembering someone's birthday is huge. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of we are afraid of rejection. But we have Facebook to help us remember that. You know what I mean? Yes, we do. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we do. And isn't Facebook great for that? And that's really fun, and it's interesting how many people do it. But, you know, if you live in the same city as the person, you know, send them drop something off or, or mail somebody a real card. I love getting real cards in the mail. I still do to this day. And it's funny to, t- to tell you that the women who are 10 and 20 years older than me are the ones who send me birthday cards. Yeah, I have a friend who writes me a handwritten note. And when she first did it, when I, you know, I was shocked. But yes, wow. I agree. All of those three things that you mentioned are very real. Um, and I think that it, we can... We can change our words and our language and our behavior to make people not feel ashamed, not fearful, and accept it as opposed to reject it. Do you want to just share with our readers what your prayer is? And as mm. women read a friend and me, what you hope they mm. come out of receiving? Well, it has. It is my prayer. It's been my prayer for many, almost a decade, and my prayer is that we will have a new movement. Um, among women, uh, where every woman feels and knows that she's beloved, uh, that she's accepted, and that she can be her real self uh, with another group of women, that she doesn't have to put a false image out, that she can be um, truly who God made her to be. But my prayer also is that because of that, that women who witness it will want it too. That they will say, I see something here going on and I, I want that too. And that because of that, they will really know um, why God um, gave us his son the way he did. There was a reason. The gospel is all about renewal and transformation and forgiveness. And it's healing. And that's what I'm praying for, for our world of women. Wow. What a great way for God to to have spoken to you because I, I think we think of, you know, when we think of God speaking to us, okay, he's sending us on the mission field or something, <laughs> yeah. you know, mm-hmm. I'm sure he does, but you're talking about starting a, a whole, a mission, like you mm-hmm. said, in a different way, and, and I, it's so needed 
And Pam, I just thank you for being obedient to God and, and hearing his voice and writing this book. It is timely. It is so mm. important at this point in time. And I, I, I struggle with the title, to be quite honest, because I'm like saying, this, everybody should read this. <laughs> you know, the men too. Uh, um, men need to develop these patterns. And the I would love for men to read it and respond and tell us what they need. I think they need to, you know, well, I'm not going to speak, I better not speak for any, for the men. <laughs> but I think countering men who are, going, you know what I mean, they may express themselves differently from us women, um, but, you know, you see the effects, too, where they're in need of that friend as well. That yeah, that's true. One-on-one as, as well, um, mm. because technology is just affecting, I call it rewiring our brain. Mm. Where can our readers purchase your book? And you want to tell us your website. Sure, absolutely. They can go to PamelaLau.com. That's P-A-M-E-L-A-U. for them? Sure. P-A-M-E-L-A-L-A-U. <laughs> so PamelaLau.com. And on that website you can purchase my books, but you can also see uh, we created videos, and they are free, to go, they're right on the website, to go with each chapter. And then also there's discussion questions if people want to do this with uh, their groups or just with another person. Okay. So uh, we're really wanting people to start this conversation in their um, sphere of the world. Oh, right. So, so you can form a little fellow group, a little study group. and Absolutely. And, oh, wonderful. Wonderful. That's a great idea. Yeah. So that's what we're after. And also, if you sign up on my for like you know email updates, I don't send out a ton, but I once and I let people know kind of what's going on, what I'm where I'm going to be. Um, but if you do sign up for that, you get a free download of a song that I wrote while I was writing this book, and we professionally recorded it with my worship leader, and I write about that song in chapter seven. Wow, oh. well, you're you're a singer. No, well, she's saying, she's saying I wrote the words, um, okay. on the spoken oh, words. Oh, 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 you're a poet. Oh, you're a poet. Yeah, that's right. I'll take that. <laughs> well, Pam, it was wonderful. Thank you so much. This has been, I feel like you're a real friend. Oh, good. Thank you. For it's being great on to the meet show. you. Thank okay. you. All right. Take care. Closer still